open the word of God to, um, to Luke chapter 8. And um, I, I, I've entitled this message, it's a, it's a very provocative title really, Do You Have a Need? We all have needs, don't we? You know, so, so we all know that we can say, yes, I do have a need. Do you have a need? And as we um, was reading, there's a verse that just sprung out to me in our Bible reading. If you remember last week, Jesus has just come from delivering a man who had demons living in him. And he delivered this man from the demons. He got into the boat because the people there didn't want him to stay. So they, they've asked him to leave. And so he left. And, and as he left, he, um, he now arrives. And, and we read that when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. For they were all expecting him. I like that. A crowd welcomed him because they were all expecting him. They were expecting him to come back. And I just thought it was tremendous because you know what? The Bible says Jesus is coming back again. And the question is, are you expecting him? And look what an angel said. The angel said um, in Acts 1, after Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was taken up into the, into the clouds and, and, and the disciples were there looking and amazed that Jesus was just being taken up into the clouds. And before them, two angels stood by them. And, and this is what they said. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, I love this, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus who's coming back. And when I opened this reading and I saw that they were expecting him, the question is, are you expecting him to come back again? Because he's coming. Tremendous. So, you know, here we have this crowd expecting Jesus. And, and, and two people in our story rises up to the surface. Two people rises, rises up, and, and two people were really expecting him to come back. They, they, they wanted him to come back. Now, I remember I was working in, um, in, in Brentwood. I was, I was running a, a small security outfit, not as big as um, Carl's one at the back there. It was a little, small, tiny little security outfit at the time, and I was working in McDonald's. And as I was working there, I was walking around, and, and as I looked around, I saw a guy peering through the window. And I recognized his face. He was that guy from East Enders. You remember that guy called Grant, Grant Mitchell? I don't know what his real name is. Ross something. Ross Kemp, I think his name is. Um, so I saw Grant Mitchell peering through the window. And I thought, I know that face. But I thought, oh, East Enders can't be bothered to even go there. So I walked away. I think some of you would probably go out there and get his autograph. But I couldn't be bothered. If it was Michael Jordan peering through the window. Or if it was, you know, Martin Luther King peering through the window. That's difficult. He's dead now. But... You know, I may have got excited about that, you know, and wanted him to come back and expected him to sit down with me. But it was, it was, it was someone from EastEnders, you know, it was not important. But these men, these two people, the whole crowd, they were expecting Jesus to come back. And two people rise to the surface, surface in our story. Two people from opposite ends of society. One, a man... The other a woman. 
One rich, the other one fairly poor. One highly respected, the other one despised and rejected. One who was named, the other one has no name. One was called Jairus, the other one was just called a woman. Two people, both of them expecting Jesus to come back to their region. So I'm going to open this up and look at three areas with you this morning. And three things I want to say. First of all, a display of urgency. A display of urgency. What strikes me about both these individuals was that they waited, it seems, to the very last moment to reach out to Jesus. They waited to the very last moment to reach out to Jesus. Now Jairus, we are told, came to Jesus. And look at what he said to Jesus. He came to Jesus, he said, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. In fact, the King James puts it like this. My little daughter lies at the point of death. In other words, you know, Jairus waited for his daughter to actually arrive at a point of death before he reached out to Jesus. I mean, he could have um, spoken to Jesus many, many weeks before. Soon as his daughter was ill, he could have gone to Jesus. He was in the region at the time. But he had, he had other options. He had other things going on. He had other areas where he, he, can, he can go for help. But he waited until his girl was at the point of death before he goes to Jesus. Not only that, we see this woman is no different. This woman that we read in her story, she had a problem. We read a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Okay, so she had a problem with an internal bleeding for 12 years. But look what it says in Mark's Gospel, because Mark's Gospel gives a little bit more information. Look what it says. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And I spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So here's a woman, and she has gone to every doctor. She has been to every clinic. She spent all the money she's got to get, to get well. But now she's at the point of complete desperation, complete urgency. And now she goes as a last resort. She goes to Jesus. All her resources were exhausted. But somehow, she goes to Jesus. Therefore, it seems to me that Jesus was her last resort. And she goes to him for help. Now, this is not unusual in our day. Because we live in a day when we're covered, aren't we, in every way. We've got support from every angle. Support from friends. Support from family. We've got support from uh, professionals. We've got private health care. We've got um, um, insurance. Everything is insured. You know, our lives are insured. Our house are insured. Our cats and our dogs are insured. Everything is insured. You know, I can remember I had a car accident over at Christmas time just a few months ago. And, and I walked away uh, without a scratch. 
praise God for that. You know, I just heard on the news today that pileup on the A on the M40. You, you heard about that pileup? 30 or 40 cars or something involved people. It was awful. One person died. But I, I walked away from this accident and, 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 and I got a phone call from the insurance company and he said to me, you know, Mr. Sandy, I'm sure you, you was injured. I said, no, I wasn't. Listen, say you was injured. He's, this is what he told me on the phone. Tell, say you was injured. I can get you two and a half thousand pounds if you say you was injured. Seems to me that we seem to be the insurance industry want to cover you for everything. That's what the day we're living. We're living a day where we have insured us God outside of our lives. We've pushed God. We'd rather trust men to look after us, don't we? We'd rather trust other people to take care of us. But you know what the Bible says? Look what the Bible says. Do not put your trust in princes, in men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. In other words, don't trust men. Blessed are those who help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. What God is saying is, God is saying this, don't trust men. Don't put all your hope in men, you know, don't get me wrong. Some, you know, it's good to, you know, to trust people here and there. It's great to have good doctors. It's great to have these things. Don't get me wrong. All these things is good, but don't put all your trust in men because they will fail you. The Bible says, trust in God. Put your hope in God, for He is faithful. I love that. He is faithful. Forever. My dear friends, do not wait for a crisis like these people did, like the Jairus and the woman. They waited for a, a crisis. They waited for the point of, of desperation, urgency. Then they rushed to Christ. Do not wait for that time. The Bible clearly tells us that we need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I like that. You don't need to wait for a time in your life when you seek him. No, no. Call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he is found. That is the cry of God's heart to you this morning. Don't wait for a crisis to call on the name of God. Call on him now while he is near. And the promise is this. According to Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. That's my promise, says God. You know what? I'm not going to hide from you. I'm not going to, you know, um, you know, take the back streets so you can't find me. I'm going to be on the highway. And if you seek me, says God, you will find me. That is a wonderful promise. Don't wait for a crisis like those people. But seek him now while he can be found. So many of you are here this morning. And I praise God that you're taking that advice already. You're here because you're seeking the face of God. Seek him and you will find him. Let's go on to the second thing. Because these two people came to Christ at a desperate urgency. But I want you to see the second thing. A display of love. I want you to see how Jesus deals with these two people. Um, he deals with them in tenderness. 
I love this about Christ. You see, Jairus, when he comes to Christ, he doesn't come to Christ casually. He doesn't come to Christ casually. You know, I, I um, you know, watch this program every now and again. I, I spoke about it a little bit here. Um, it's called Judge Judy. It's a woman on, in a courthouse. And sometimes she stands and she's in a courthouse and, and these guys come into the courthouse with, the, with their hands in their pockets. And they stand there, and as soon as she sees them like that, she says to him, take your hands out of your pockets. How dare you come into my courtroom with your hands in your pockets. And I was always told that when I was younger, anytime you go in for a job interview, always look up, always speak clearly, and take your hands out of your pockets when you go for a job interview. In fact, when I was learning about preaching, and this is for you potential preachers out there, you know, never preach with your hands in your pockets. You know, like a casual thing, you know, you always take your hands out of your pockets. You know, and, and, and Jesus, I mean, Jairus, when he, when he comes to Jesus, he doesn't come casually, you know, walking up to Jesus, hey man, how you doing, Jesus? I'm just coming here to ask you for a favor. You know, it doesn't come casually. We read that what the, the synagogue ruler named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and live. This man comes with urgency and he comes not casually but he comes with great respect and he falls at the feet of Christ. And he says, come, put your hands on my door. Now what I love about this Bible in the last few words here, so Jesus went with him. I love that. Jesus went with, this is very, very important, that Jesus went with him. You see, Jesus didn't just turn around and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Listen, go home, I'll be there in four days. Didn't say that. He didn't say, give, give your address to my guy, John, Peter, take their address. You know, we'll be there later on. He didn't say that. The Bible says that Jesus went with him. And and that is so powerful. Why? Why is that so powerful? Why is it so wonderful that Jesus went with him every step of the way to his house? Every step towards a journey, Jesus was with him, walking towards his house. Why is that so important? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus knew that this man was going to face even more discouragement along the way. He knew that this man was going to face even more disappointment along the way. And so Jesus was going to be with him. So when disappointment came, when discouragement came, he was able to speak into that man's life and reassure him. And so we read in our Bible reading, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. Here is Jairus, he's walking with Jesus. He's got Jesus with him. Jesus is in his life. He's walking with Christ now and he's going home. But some people from his house came. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Listen to this. Ignoring what they said, Jesus speaks. Hallelujah. You're not hearing me this morning. Ignoring what the people said, Jesus speaks to this man. And speaks into his life. He didn't speak to anyone else. He speaks to the man. And he says to him, don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm walking with you. I'm on this journey with you. 
I'm doing this life with you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. That's why it's so important to have Jesus walking with you. There's an old hymn that sings, that goes something like this. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. He walks with this man and shows him compassion. He encourages him when he was losing his courage. He gives him hope in a hopeless situation. He gives him strength when strength was failing. Why? Because Jesus was walking with this man. I want to tell you this morning, you need to have Christ walking in your life with you. It's a long journey ahead of us. We have a long journey. Some of us may have 10, 20, 30, 40 years left. It's a long journey ahead of us. We need Jesus to be walking with us in our lives. Because when he walks with you, when he walks with me, he's able to speak into my life, into your life. When you hear horrible news, discouraging news, desperate news, he's able to speak. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. But I also want to speak about the woman. You see, Jairus had that wonderful love of Christ being displayed as he walks to his home. But this woman, she also gets something as well from the love of Christ. This woman who was bleeding, she, she turned around and she said to herself, it says in the Bible, she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I will be healed. I love another version in the Bible where it says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I don't need to lay hold of his feet. I don't need to touch his hands. I don't even need him to speak to me. If only I can touch the hem of his garment, he says, I shall be healed. This woman had some faith. And this woman... You've got to read the scriptures. The crowd was all around Jesus. There was men and other people all around him and, and bustling him. And, and she pushes through somehow in a weakness. She pushes through and she grabs the whole of the hem of his garment. And instantly the Bible says, the woman knowing that she was healed. And, and then Jesus came out and said, who touched me? Somebody's touched me. I know that the power has come out from me. I love that. I know power has come out from me. Somebody's touched me. And everybody turned around and said, hey, Jesus, man, the crowd is all pushing around you. You know, how do you mean someone's touched you? No, someone's touched me. And then we read that this woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. I don't know how long the whole truth takes for a woman to tell it. Some women can talk. And maybe she was talking for a long time. But she was talking. And Jesus listened to the whole truth. I want to say something about this woman. Because the words Jesus spoke to her was absolutely loving. Absolutely wonderful. You see, he turned to this woman. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He says to her, 
daughter. Now, just, just to stop right there, he says to her, calls her daughter. Well, you may remember that a few weeks ago I preached this. You remember that Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. And he was told, he said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus turned around and said to the crowd, the, the person who told him, he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. In other words, this woman now, she is my daughter. She is in my, my family. She can call upon my name. She's part of the communion of faith. I can call her a part of my family. Why? Because she has faith in me. Not only that he hears my word, she was willing to put my word into practice. Daughter. You're no longer just, just known out there as a person. No, you're in the family of God. My dear friends, it's not just hearing God's word. That's the half of it. 50% of you may be just hearing today. And that's wonderful to hear. But Jesus said, even being my family, you've got to put my words into practice. And sure enough, this woman put her, her, her faith into practice. She pushed through the crowd, laid hold of Jesus, and her healing was complete. But not only that, Jesus turned around and said, go in peace. Go in peace. Not there now, but let me just go back and you remember what I said. Jesus said, um, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your soul. It's very important to say, go in peace. Because, you know, this woman, she couldn't have gone into the house of God. She couldn't have any peace with God because she was defiled. She, she had this eternal bleeding. She could not go into God's presence at all. But now Jesus says to her, I've, deal, I've dealt with your sickness. I've healed you. Go and have peace with God. Go in peace. My dear friends, Jesus says the same thing to you this morning. I have dealt with your sin. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're washed. Now you can have peace with God. God has forgiven your sin. I like what Romans 5 says. Romans 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can go in peace. I can say to you this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can leave this church in peace. Because God has dealt with your sin. He looked on the cross at Jesus. And all of your sin, all of your lying, your cheating, your swearing, your cursing, every sin that you can imagine was placed upon Jesus. And he hung on that cross. And he died that death. And God said, you see that death? That brings you peace with me. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can go in peace with God. This woman walked away justified. She walked away with her head held high. Not only was she healed physically, which is wonderful, but she had peace with God, which is even more amazing. Let's just wrap this sermon up and finish with my last and final um, heading here, a display of power. I will finish here. A display of power. Now, he gets to the house of Jairus. And we read, everyone is crying and wailing out there. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. 
Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. Jesus said those words, but we read that straight after he said those words, the people didn't like it. He said to them, make room for the girl who's not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. Who does he think he is? Another version said they scorned him. They laughed at him. Who does he think he is? Here he is coming in with the father, Jairus, coming in with some of the leaders of the village. He's coming in and and he's telling us that she's, she's not dead but sleeping. Who does he think he is? And they ridiculed him, they laughed at him, and they scorned him. That's what the Bible says. Who does he think he is? Well, do you know what Jesus did to those people? The Bible says very simply, he put them all outside. <laughs> he put them all outside. In other words, get out. Get out, all of you. Just get out. Get outside. Not one of you are going to see a display of my power. Not one of you are going to see a display of my glory. Get outside. Out, all of you. He put them all outside. And he then goes in. And we read. They put them all outside, took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. You know, we live in a day when many people ridicule Christ, don't they? True? We live in a day when many people scorn the name of Jesus. We live in a day where many people laugh at you if you're a Christian. If you say I'm following Christ, you say I'm going to church, you say I'm worshipping God, they will laugh at you and say you're mad. If you say I'm taking cocaine and I'm taking drugs, they'll say yeah well how much do you pay for it, can I get some? But you tell them that you are following Christ, that you are seeking God, they will laugh at you and they will scorn you. But a time is coming, a time is coming where Christ will put them all out of his kingdom, you know that? A time is coming where Christ will put them out of his presence, out from his power, out from his grace, out from his gentle words, out from his love, out from his his kindness. He will put them out into darkness, out into hopelessness, out into despair. He will put them all out of his presence. But praise God, we live in a day but he's still bringing people in to see his power. Praise God. We're living in a day, in a day when Christ is still saying, come with me. Come with me. Let me show you what I can do. Come with me and let me show you my strength. We're living in a day now, hallelujah, when Christ is still displaying his power. So he takes James, John, Peter, he takes the mother and the father, come with me, let's go into that room and I will show you the resurrection of the dead. I will show you my strength. And he said, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she is given something to eat and her parents were astonished, amazed. But he charged them all, don't tell no one what had happened. You see, 
You and I are very fortunate today. We live in a day when the power of Christ can be displayed in your life and in mine. The fact is, many in our day are just cursing, laughing, ridiculing Christ. But the same Christ they ridicule, the same Christ they laugh at, he turns around and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. I am the resurrection, says Jesus. I am the life. What you saw I done in that room with that little girl, that was nothing. I raised him from the dead. In fact, you want to see a bigger miracle? I went to Lazarus' grave and I raised him after four days. But this, this thing, this was the easy thing. But I tell you what, I'm going to raise every single person who puts their faith in me that when you die, when you die, is not the end. It's not the end. Because when you die, it's life eternal. The question is, where will you spend that eternal life? That is the question. Not whether there is life after death. Where will you spend eternal life? Will it be outside with the rest who ridicule? Outside, say Jesus. You have no part of me. Or will you say with the little girl, rise. I will display my authority, my love, my power in your life. I beseech you by the mercy of God this morning. Be the second group of people. I beseech you. By the mercy of God, do not allow yourself to fall into that trap like the world all rushing down this way saying atheism and non-religious and and going down that road is a way to go. I beseech you to not go down that road but to lay hold of Christ. And when you lay hold of him, his promise will be true. That when we all come to that place, we will meet our end. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He says, if you believe in me, even though you die, yet shall you live. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. That wonderful name. Thank you that that name has authority and power. Thank you, Lord, that we can be like the woman who turned around and pressed through the crowd and said to herself, Oh, only I lay my hands upon the hem of Jesus, I shall be healed. Thank you we can be like Jairus. To come in the right way, humble and with great humility. And say, come with me, Lord Jesus. Walk with me. Walk this journey with me. Come with me. Knowing, oh God Almighty, that if he, the Lord Jesus Christ, walked with us, he can speak into our lives in any area, at any point. Oh God, I pray. Work this morning by your spirit. And bring glory to your son, the Lord Jesus. I ask this in his precious name. Amen.